Welcome to Family Financial Feuds from the University of Illinois Extension. Hi, this is Kathy Sweetler. I'm an educator with University of Illinois Extension. And today, Seisha Grabenstetter and I are going to be talking about who we are with money and why we make the financial decisions that we make, or at least part of why we make them the way we make them. Sometimes we think about people as either being savers or spenders, but to me, there's like a little bit more to it than that. It's not that simple that people fall into one or the other category. But I have to say that I'm always pretty fascinated by how people do make these decisions. And especially when I look around at people I'm close to, like close friends or families, I'm sometimes puzzled, like, what is it that makes them think that they want to make that decision? It's just not the way I would do it. And of course, I'm normal. So why aren't they doing it that way? Um, And that's, you know, one of those things that you think about with family and people you're close with, right? So, you know, I've been fascinated with this. And um, so Seisha and I thought it would be a good thing for us to talk about today and to look at some of the research around this, too, to see if that would help kind of build our own awareness and help us think about it from a way um, that might just help us in our talking to other people and working with them. So Seisha, feel free to jump in here at any point. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think I agree with you. Like, I've always been um, interested in why people make the decisions they do with money, especially like in my own family. Like, I had a saver parent and a spender parent, and they weren't the people that you think that they were. It's just... I think it's always been fascinating to me. So I'm excited to get into this topic today. It was years ago that I went to a conference and had the opportunity to hear Olivia Mellon speak about this. And she called it money personalities. And other researchers have different ways of describing this and a little different terminology. But that's when I started to really kind of look at it more closely and to try to think about the underlying things that were going on in people. But I think one of the things we have to realize is it's, while it might be a personality or a script mm-hmm. or our habits, there's a lot of things that play into it. Like, certainly our families do have a role in how we're raised. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and so, you know, watching your own parents, you may pick up traits from one person or another person for whatever reasons. Um, but then there's other things, I think, like the media is a big piece of it, you know, talking about things we need to have or things they think we should have. I think friends are uh, another one, too, you know, like the, what your spending group does, like depends on some of that, too. Definitely. Especially, I think, when you're younger and you're trying to figure out who you are and what your identity is in a lot of ways, but including with who we are with money. I think another thing of it, too, is like your habits, you know, how you spend money. Like some people really like high end grocery stores where other people like go to the lower end grocery stores. I just think it depends on some of your habits, too. Or if you like a name brand coffee and you go there every day or if you just like to brew at home, um, you know, some of those habits also define, you know, the things that we how we how we tick, I think. I think you're right, because I know that some people you know, they automatically go and buy the cheapest thing, whatever it might be, without mm-hmm. really thinking it through. It's just like, it's cheap, it's good. But on the flip side, I've also, I have a relative who essentially always buys the most expensive of it, assuming that if you spend more, you're going to get better stuff, which might play out in some scenarios, but I'm not sure it plays out in all scenarios. No, definitely not. Like, mm, I, you know, I think, I think there, most people are a good medium, right? You know, but like like you were saying, like uh, if somebody were like, I want to 
I'm going to buy all the cheapest things. Well, you could you could buy a bunch of things on sale and have like 10,000 bottles of shampoo. Like, what's the point of having 10 bottles of shampoo if you're never going to use all of them? I think, you know, we have to kind of examine what it is that, you know, again, at the end of the day, what makes us tick? Like, why why did we why did we make that decision to buy 10 bottles of shampoo? Right. And I think there's sometimes a thought, well, they're inexpensive right now. So, you know, they'll keep and we'll use them. And and that makes sense. Um, and there's a fine line, I think, between, um, well, maybe it's not so fine, but, you know, between like stocking up on things that make sense. Um, and then sometimes we do know people who are who lean over in our hoarders or really have, you know, some real emotional issues around things mm-hmm. that end up um causing problems with how they make financial decisions. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying everybody is having problems with money or anything like that. It's just that sometimes I think we do fall into these habits or these trends because it's part of us from all the environmental context and family context. And it can be really helpful to stop and think about why do I make decisions the way I do it? And is this helping me reach my goals or would it be better if I could kind of get out of this mode and think about it in a different way? To, to kind of piggyback on that, I think, you know, our, our goal today is just to help you help our listeners build awareness, whether they've heard of, um, you know, money scripts or money personalities or money habitudes, all which we'll kind of talk about, um, you know, ultimately we just want you to, to, you know, do you have balance in your, personality, your money personality, or are you leaning a certain way? Um, are you leaning more towards spending more, you know, or saving more, or are you avoiding money? Or is it just something that you, you know, uh, have long of anxiety about? So I think, uh, building awareness is the best thing for us today. I agree. And I have seen people when I've worked with them or done workshops on this topic and afterwards they've told me, you know, I always seem to make this same doing go well. I'm going along well with my money. And then I make this pattern, this behavior and I make, and I'm getting messed up again. And after this workshop and realizing, um, thinking through like why I do these things, it's really helped me to see what's tripping me up each time and what it is that I need to kind of focus on. So I don't end up in that pattern again. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, in my own life, I can tell you that, you know, um, sometimes when I get sad, I'll go buy things and maybe it's not necessarily the best thing for me to do. Uh, but I do notice, I have noticed it in my life and I try to make a conscious effort that when I'm sad, maybe I go for a walk instead or, you know, play with my, my, my toddler, um, instead of going like, Oh, I'm going to go take a shopping trip and spend, you know, hundreds of dollars that I don't need. So, um, I think that's a great example of, of how it kind of helps us, to, to notice what's going on and maybe correct it. You know, I can still go buy things when I'm sad, but maybe I just don't spend as much or I spend a smaller amount. That's an excellent example. I think we can all relate to something like that, that, you know, we just, we look for something that helps us make us feel better. And um, whether it's spending money or eating donuts or whatever whatever it might be, um, at least being aware of why we're doing it and then having to like consciously decide like, well, that's true. This is what I do when I'm sad, but that's working for me today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, ice cream is mine, but I mean, I know my sister would love a ton of donuts. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the research, Kathy. So 
Um, I wanted to talk more about this research article. It comes out of the Journal of Financial Therapy. It's from some of our friends at K-State and then um, from the Klontz Consulting Group. So Bradley Klontz and his father, Ted Klontz. And then, of course, Sonia Britt Luter and Jennifer Menser. Uh, in 2011, they released this article um, about the, the Klontz Manuscript Inventory. Through their research, they kind of developed this inventory to see, you know, like where people kind of land on a scale. Um, and this isn't to say that everyone lands in this. Um, you know, there are some things about these scripts that maybe aren't you and that's okay. Um, but there are four kind of main types of, of scripts. And so the first one's called money avoidance and then there's money worship and status and then money vigilance. So those are, I mean, I think four categories that are kind of interesting to hear about. Can you tell me a little bit more about each one, Seisha? Like, what does that really mean, money avoidance? That's um, kind of bizarre. Yeah, of course. So, like, money avoidance is more like uh, people have money anxiety or disgust around money. So common themes that um, are kind of around money avoidance are uh, rich people are greedy, I don't deserve money, these kind of thoughts, um, good people should not care about money. Uh, money corrupts people, um, and it's hard to accept financial gifts from others. So, like, s some of those are kind of on the extreme, but I think for some people, maybe it is accept hard to accept financial gifts from others. So there are highs and lows of both, but ultimately, like, these people just have uh, an anxiety around money or they have a disgust around money. That makes sense to me. I mean, I think I kind of fall into that category when I think about it. It's just like there's a, a feeling – a lot of times when I feel like I just don't really deserve this or I shouldn't have this kind of money. Um, and it's one of those things that luckily I have a partner that helps me kind of, you know, rethink that when I'm like, he'll suggest we should go on a nice trip or go out for a nice dinner and mm -hmm. starts to make me feel uneasy. And, but he knows, he knows about me, right. We've been yeah. married a long time. Yeah. And so he can kind of talk it through and say, you know, it's not like, for example, we go out to this kind of meal on a daily basis and we can afford it and we've mm -hmm. already given a fair amount to charity. So like, it's okay, Kathy, we can go out and do this and have fun. <laughs> I like, you I like how he says that. It's okay. You Kathy. wouldn't think we would have to like talk it through given who I am, but yeah. you know, we all struggle with these different things that are just sort of ingrained in us. And I have no idea where that came from. So, but it is me. I will own it. Well, I will say, I will say um, the next up, the next one is uh, money worship. And I don't really know a lot of people who might fit in. I don't know many people who fit in this category, but these people, um, they kind of get their happiness and fulfillment in life from money. So maybe, you know, some of these things might resonate with some of our listeners. So uh, more money will make you happier. Uh, there will never be enough money. Uh, it's hard to be poor and happy. Money is power. Um, and then another one is, uh, money buys freedom. So again, you know, I can resonate with money buys freedom, but I don't resonate with some of the other ones. You know, I think that's, it's a good thing to, to think about, you know, does our, does, how much does our money make us happy and how much of it does it give us f f fulfillment? Yeah. And I think it's also good to point out here that when we're talking about these different money, um, types and things, it's easier to talk about it in the extremes because okay. that gives us a more defined thing to talk about. But of course, none of us are just one of these necessarily. And we're probably not always the extreme either. So um, it may be that you can, like you said, relate to a piece of it, but not all of it. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't still have some value to think about it. Mm -hmm. 
the, so the next one up is called money status. And this one really um, focuses on how money gives you self-worth and then, of course, net worth. Um, and I would say that this uh, in life, this is my dad, like to a T money status um, definitely was his self-worth. He was a physician for a long time and uh, he grew up um, working in a grocery store, his father, his stepfather's grocery store, and they had they were dirt poor. They had no money. Um, and so he basically worked himself up to be a doctor, to have income. So some some examples are money is give, what gives life meaning. Um, it's If something is not considered the best, it's not worth buying. Rich people have no reason to be unhappy. And uh, if you're good, your financial needs will be taken care of. So just some, you know, some examples of money status and kind of how I felt like my dad kind of lived his life. You know, I think the interesting thing about money and net worth is it is a measurable thing, you know, so it's one of those where I think, you know, people can kind of start out thinking, well, I want to be secure and I want to make enough that, you know, I'm not wondering how we're going to eat the next day or the next week, but then it can keep going and you're not, you know, maybe like in your father's situation, I don't know, but, you know, it just kind of grew from there because, it's like a checkbox. You can say, Oh, I'm making this much this year. And next year I'm making more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about it in our, in our workshops and things, you know, track your net worth and see how it grows. And it does give you a positive feeling when you see that. Right. I mean, I think most people to some extent want to see their, you know, see their net worth go up so they can retire. Yeah. I mean, one of these, one of these things, um, the example is uh, your self-worth equals your net worth. And I think that that's kind of, maybe the indicator for money status is like, you know, like your self-worth, it does not tie to your net worth. Like no matter if you're negative or positive or heck making tons of money, like I don't think that that is a definer for your life. And I think that's a really good point that you made, Seisha. And it really brings out that, you know, these things require a balance. So, you know, we really want to look at this as not like these traits are necessarily completely bad or completely good, but where's the balance? And are you finding that balance in your life in a way that allows you to, you know, function, be satisfied, have that wellness, Mm -hmm. um, all those things that are kind of hard to achieve. And um, they are hard to achieve, aren't they? They are kind of hard. I think they're very hard to achieve. There's always like these things pulling you in different directions, right? And different messages that we are getting, you know, about like growing your net worth. You know, everybody, you know, you get to a point where you're getting closer to retirement. You kind of can get obsessed with it, right? Do Mm -hmm. I have enough net worth to retire? How will this work? Um, But you don't want it to be where... You're right, though. You don't want it to be where your net worth equals your your how you feel about yourself, yourself. Yeah. And that definitely would make me uncomfortable. No, I like that's a good little tangent. It's very good. But lastly, we have money vigilance. And so um, this comes from a lot of money shame and secrecy, from my understanding. So some of the things that um, are in this talk about, like, you should not tell others how much money you have or make. Um, money should be saved, not spent people who work for their money and should not be given financial handouts. It's not polite to talk about money. It is extravagant to spend money on oneself. So it's kind of like basically the kind of the opposite of almost in money status, like money status is like, I really deserve this. You know, if it's not the best, it's not worth buying. We're like money vigilance is kind of like, 
I would be embarrassed to tell so much, so much, how much I make, or I, it's extravagant to spend money on oneself. And I think that can even come across too. Like if you look at the kind of cars people buy, right? Oh yeah. So I'm staring out the window, looking at cars thinking, you know, if you are, you know, status, you're probably going to buy a car that kind of yells, Hey, look Look at at who I am and what I can afford. Um, Look at me. (laughs) Well, there are those cars, right? Oh oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And, but on money vigilance, maybe you're driving your car to the ground. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and I think another thing is, you know, it's it's about the secrecy. It's not polite to talk about money. Uh, another one says, if you cannot pay cash for something, you should not buy it. So it's kind of an interesting, like, mix of, like, secrets and, like, shame. So um, many interesting values buried in that. I would say, so I would say on the flip side, so, like, while my dad had a lot of money status, my mom was money vigilant. Like, money was not something we talked about at all. And I remember... I always like to tell a story. I remember um, my dad bought my mom a very expensive scarf. Okay. Uh, Very expensive because obviously it was the best. And if it wasn't the best, it wasn't worth buying. And she's like, I do not spend like this money on things like this for myself. Like my mom was like a a goodwill um, thrift shopper, like definitely that person who's like, I like to, you know, I just like to pick the, the good finds. Uh, and like spend as m- less money on herself as she could. So she, my dad brought that home thinking like, oh, th- I brought the best for you. And she was so mad, which is a funny story in and of itself. But it just it just like that's like the best example I could give you of like how my parents are so different from each other with their their money scripts, their beliefs about money. Well, and I think that's where I this is such a fascinating topic, you know, not so much that we can put labels on people, but Mm-hmm. that it really does give you an insight into how people react to things. Cause I'm sure your dad was like, how could you be upset? I just bought you a really nice scarf and you're not happy about it. Mm-hmm. And, and you can just imagine that, you know, the conflict that would be there between, I was trying to do something nice for you and you're upset that I spent money. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I mean, I can definitely think of that kind of scenario going on you know, in different places in my life as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that happens with spouses, with siblings, with um, friends, the whole the whole like gamut of like people like, oh, I spent this on you and like you didn't appreciate it or not even appreciate it. But you that's the feeling that's coming off. But maybe that they just don't like having money spent on them like that because of their the way they grew up, their beliefs, their values. You know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about one of my grandmas and I'm realizing that um, she probably fit into this category pretty well. Um, You know, the money vigilance. Yes, because, for example, she had a really nice set of China that she had gotten when she was married and Mm -hmm. she had never used. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And. And when I asked her why, because she gave it to me, and I when I asked her why, she was like, oh, we just don't have, you know, I didn't want to use it and have something happen. Or she's just clearly, she said she should never have spent that. It was a girlfriend that had given it to her when they were married. She should never have spent that kind of money on me. And I think the fact that her girlfriend had spent that kind of money made her so uncomfortable that she never could use it. Aww. So I know, I know it's kind of a sad story. <laughs> sad. I hope that you use it now. I use it all the time because I just feel like it's nice and we should enjoy it. I use it for 
good events, I guess. I don't use it daily, but yeah, of course. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting just as we're having this conversation, I wouldn't, I hadn't really thought that through completely, mm-hmm. but it explains a lot of things about my grandma and kind of how she chose to use their money. That's a great story, Kathy. I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause I think that's kind of a good little wrap up for like the scripts you know, uh, I'm so grateful for this this research that comes out from the people in our association, in our field, because it helps us kind of understand a little better to kind of piggyback off of money scripts. Uh, you know, uh, Kathy already kind of uh, mentioned Olivia Mellon. She has her own um, money personalities that she talks about. So you can take like a quick little quiz and then you can see what your money personality is. So I think that's kind of fun to do. Kathy, have you done the quiz? I've done that quiz um, a long time ago and and used it with different people. And I really, again, I like it because it's one of those things where I think it just helps raise your, your conscious level. And you might not really, you know, have thought about yourself that way. And sometimes, of course, like any other little quiz or activity, it may not work for you. And you may say, this just isn't me. And I don't know why it came out this way. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can kind of um, wake you up to something. And help you understand yourself. Sybil Sybil Solomon also has another activity called Money Habitudes, which is, I think, very similar. And um, I use that one in workshops a lot, too. And when I first did that one, it came back and said that I had this, um, what she calls Habitudes of Giving. And then when you read the challenges about it, it talks about, like, you might give away too much money. And And I was like, what? I don't give away too much money. Um, this has never caused me any concern in my life. This must not work. Mm-hmm. But I stopped. Then I stopped to think about it. Like, to be honest with myself, I realized that when um, my husband and I are making charitable decisions, that we do it together. So mm-hmm. we always talk about it. And often our co- conversation will be like, I'll say, oh, we should give this much. And my husband will come back and say, well, how about a little bit less? How about this much? (laughs) And then I'll be like, well, how about this? And then we come to a compromise. And so I think that has helped me, you know, still be a giver because that's Mm -hmm. who I am, but not have it become a problem in my life. Just helps me get that balance because I also want to save money for things like our retirement. I want to have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to be spontaneous and go out and do things that are fun at times without worrying that, you know, I'm, I'm shaking our financial security in some way. Oh, yeah. So I have a lot of things I want to do with my money. Well, to kind of um, give you the flip side of that. So the first time I ever did the Money Habitudes cards was in a classroom setting uh, at Texas Tech when I was a grad student. And the funny thing about when you do it with a bunch of financial planning students, everyone is the planning card. <laughs> Yes, I've done that with people like that too, either planning or security. Yeah, planning or security. And it's just kind of funny to like, you know, I think, I think if I were to do them again, maybe my habitudes or attitudes about money would have changed, you know, but I always just thought it was kind of comical that you're like, let's do this in a group in a class or something. And then (laughs) everyone is like the same Uh, because, you know, we're all focused on, you know, security and saving and making money for others. And I just always thought it was very funny to to kind of talk about. 
I know. Well, and I think that the research has shown that, well, of course, everybody in one profession isn't going to be one thing, Mm -hmm. but that it can kind of, um, you'll see trends or predictions that direction. So I've done that same kind of workshop with a lot of bankers and guess what? They're pretty high (laughs) on planning too. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I feel like, you know, some of the kids who were in our class who maybe were a little different, um, I think that maybe, maybe they were off put there like, oh, we're like the black sheep of like, our financial planning class. But I think having those differences kind of helped to, you know, make us realize that, yeah, even though we are all like the same mindset, like there are other people out there who have different mindsets. So uh, I guess it just helps that I married a financial planner and together we just make our decisions very similar. So <laughs> not right. really. We don't trust me, but it's, it's kind of nice sometimes. But I think you bring up a good point, and that is that when we do have different ways that we get, our, we make our financial decisions, it can raise conflicts in families. And I think most of us are aware that there's a lot of you know conflicts around finances in families, and it and it can escalate if yes. we aren't a little bit aware of where we're all coming from on these things. Well, money can really break up a family. Like we know when we talk about like estate planning and. We, and, and we talked about this um, last week, Kathy, when we were talking about giving fairly or giving equitably, right? Like, how does that work? And you can see families sometimes kind of start to fall apart because they don't want to give however fairly or equally or equitably that is. And um, money can, it can ruin a family, I feel like. How do you avoid that, right? That's the real question is that I think understanding that disagreements over finances is, is a pretty normal thing. I mean, you might have, you know, your partner be somebody you're right in line and you never have disagreements. That's fantastic. But with different, you know, different backgrounds that you may come from, different personalities, different scripts that you've grown up with, it's not unusual to have, you know, to start relationships where you find out what you thought was going to be the obvious answer of what to do with finances Mm -hmm. is not obvious to the other person. Yeah. (laughs) And so then you kind of have to work that out. I know, you know, when my husband and I were first married, or even as we went through the years, when we were first married, we had no money. So that was actually kind of simpler. But once we started <laughs> having money, <laughs> then it, then there were more choices to be made, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he would go out and he's kind of a spontaneous personality around finances sometimes. Okay. So he, and just in- Please tell me like, like he's gone out to like buy you like a boat or something. <laughs> Not really. No, but... <laughs> I, the one that stands out in my mind, I wish it was a boat. Um, the one that stands out in my mind is we did, we were still pretty young. We'd just gotten a house and you were know, watching, you know, having to make decisions about what we were going to upgrade in this property. And he came home one Friday with the back car filled with materials so we could ourselves repave the driveway. Oh my. And that added up to be a fair amount. Yeah. I personally didn't even know that repaving the driveway was one of the items we were considering doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like having a dining room table might have been higher on my list. Yeah. You know? But uh, or maybe he had mentioned it and I just hadn't paid attention. Right. Um, since it wasn't like I didn't really care about the driveway. And, I, you know, <laughs> And I had to like really like stop and think about this because, you know, I was kind of aggravated. There went all our sort of disposable household, you know, upgrading money went into the all this pavement stuff. 
And so we talked about that. But I also... (laughs) But I also realized that I have a tendency to go out and spend, you know, maybe $20 here, $20 there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was the one at that time at home with the kids. So I was out shopping more. So I'd pick up a little something here, a little something there. He really never went out and spent money. He just didn't was never in a store hardly. Mm-hmm. But when he did, then it would be a larger thing. But it probably added up you know my little bits probably added up to be about the same as his larger amount um but just really different perspectives oh yeah i mean i can tell you from like you know um kyle is definitely the saver of our family right like if you had to like if you had to put us in categories like kyle would be the saver and um but he did recently buy a laptop and so I'm like doing our budget for the month and I'm like looking at how much he spent. I'm like, dang, Kyle, like you spent a lot. And then I started looking at like my little ticks of like $50 here, $20 here. And I was like, oh man, I was, it's killing us. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes it is really helpful. And I going back to like our theme here is to step back, be mm-hmm. aware of our own selves and how we manage money and then try to think about it from their perspective too, our partners or family members or friends and what are they, how are they viewing it? Um, what's important to them? What's their context? I still don't really get the driveway, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago, you know, so that we can at least understand it. And then we might still be at a place where we have to, you know, sit down and say, well, you know, what is it that's driving you to make these decisions this way? What is it that you think is important or what messages do you believe in about money? And can we talk about those? Is that relevant for our life today? I mean, I think that's, that's, I think that's overall, like what we're, the the goal is like to see like, what, what are we doing? Is it helping or hurting our family, spouse, significant other friends, whatever it may be, and kind of be more aware of like the things we do, see from where they're coming from, and then make either better choices or choices that kind of help everyone. Right. And I think sometimes, too, we could have ourselves in a, you know, in a category that's working well for us, mm-hmm. but things may shift and we might need to rethink that. So maybe we've always been really frugal in our lives and we've managed to save up money and not spend much. And then when you get into retirement, it can be hard to say, OK, now's the time I need to spend some mm-hmm. of these savings. And I've known um, situations where people felt that they couldn't put out the money for, for example, their medical care, even oh, though they yeah. had plenty of money. Like, I'm not talking about like they were tight, like they had plenty of money to do it, but it was just so hard to spend on themselves. And they hadn't really ever had to, they really had never done that in their life. So sometimes we, you know, our stages of life or our context changes and we have to stretch a little bit, get out of our comfort zone. I think it's a good, that's a good, a kind of a good way to kind of end our podcast. You got to, Stretch, you know, get outside your comfort zone sometimes. See what things you didn't you realize about yourself. Realize them in others and do the best you can. No, it's not easy. Finances can be challenging, but Definitely. we can all learn and grow and have it kind of get better as it goes. Yeah. Well, Kathy, I think this is a wrap for money. Who we are, who are we with money? Yeah. And I hope that, you know, I, it's given me more insight. Whenever I get a chance to talk about this, I think of something else and I'm like, oh, that's how I am. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's always good to revisit. Good insight. Good insight. All right. Have a great day. Yep. You too. 
Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.